they take tests. Uh, we look at their resumes. We look at their creds, their background, their experience, their references, testimonials. I mean, it's unbelievable what we go through. But we don't really know how they are going to perform in the marketplace, right? Until they produce some work. Hi, I'm Eric Schwartzman, author of The Digital Pivot, and this is the Earned Media Podcast. My guest today is Byron White. He is the CEO of Writer Access. He is one of the original content marketing revolutionaries, and he's also the founder of Writer Access. Uh, he's actually started several businesses, including Freelance Access, Life Tips, Idea Launch, and, and others. Uh, he's the chair and founder of the Content Marketing Conference, which is an event featuring 65 speakers and 20 keynotes. Um, in 2018, he's authored books on content marketing, speaks at conferences, hosts his own podcast. Byron, welcome to the Earn Media Podcast. Sorry that took so long, everyone, to waste your time on all those credentials, but it's great to be here with you, Eric. Yeah, it's nice to have you. Um, so talk, let's just start it off. You know, how, how did you get into content marketing? Right. So uh, let's see. Back when the web was in diapers, we were all trying to figure out how to make a living and, and how to, you know, how to find uplift, what I call uplift in the marketplace. And I had started my second company called Life Tips, which had an aggressive mission to make the world a better place one tip at a time. Um, and it was really a publishing company that competed with about.com. And, uh, you know, we, we just tried our hardest to make it work. Um, we were publishing tips and trying to, you know, sell ad space, sponsorships on all of our tip sites. Um, I'm a bootstrapper. I like starting things from the ground zero and self-funding them, which is what I did with my first company um, and all the company I've started since then. And, um, you know, we just started out creating content both for ourselves and then we quickly realized that the clients we were working with desperately needed content as well. So we began to see the, the, the true um, content in, is king metaphor rise with Google and Panda and Penguin and link popularity being as important as quality content and how do you make that magic work. So I just stumbled into it like everyone else that was in, in this space trying to figure out how to make the web work. Google made it very clear that content was going to need to be a big part of that. My favorite part of what I do is writing. I love to write. But the truth is, I'm not scalable. There's only one of me. <laughs> and so when I get a big account, if I need to scale a blog, I can't do it all myself. I need help. And, uh, you know, in, you know, one project when I was looking for help, I, I stumbled on Writer Access. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are listening who've never heard of Writer Access, it's basically like Upwork, except for writers, specifically for writers. There are also designers there. I've never used designers. I've just used the writers. And you can search for a writer who might be knowledgeable about what you've done, and there are star ratings, and all the things you would expect of of, of a gig uh, a worker network. And then you can actually hire them and and pay them um, on a negotiated either uh, flat rate or by the word and sort of scale a content operation. 
Uh, and it's been incredibly useful for, useful for me. Several projects I've done now, which I would not have been able to pull off without it. Um, t- tell us, how did you get started with writer access? What, what, how did you get the idea to launch a gig site just for writers? And how did it grow? Sure. Uh, and by the way, thanks for giving Writer Access a whirl and having it become part of your life. We, we built it for you, Eric. <laughs> um, not you personally, but you, uh, th- those that need content and quality content at scale. Um, and, you know, even not at scale content that is going to help people connect and communicate and engage their audience. But the story is interesting. We Life tips, we really didn't have the money to compete with about.com um, and to grow. Uh, remember that about.com sold for $450 million to the New York Times after only being uh, maybe four or five years old. Then they sold to Prime Media for, I think, $650 million. So they had a lot more capital behind them. And we knew that it was going to be difficult, an uphill battle to compete with them, even though at the time I was doing podcasts. I think I, I had done over, over a couple hundred podcasts with my, my friends over at webmasterradio.fm. I don't know if you remember. Sure. Darren and Brandy, yeah. legends in the industry. Out of Florida. So that's right. So we were, you know, we were struggling trying to figure out, you know, what do we do next? You know, what, you know, Life Tips selling ad space on the web, traditional publishing model, not so good. So we ended up, um, after doing many trade shows for Life Tips for many years and handing out those crazy little uh, turquoise uh, Life Tips uh, uh, kits that kind of look like soap dishes. I remember Matt Cutts talking with me about how he loved that dish. It's sitting on his desk. That made me so proud. But I think we gave out something like 50,000 of those. And we had hundred thousands of freelance writers that were creating these tips for us. So we were like, what are we going to do next? You know, like, so we, we sort of um, came back from a show where Matt, Matt had announced that selling links was a bad thing which kind of meant that Life Tips was probably going to go away because we were selling links from Life Tips over to a single sponsor's website, um, like um, telescopes.lifetips.com. You know, so we would, we would create a bunch of tips about telescopes, um, you know, how to use them, how to set them up, you know, you know, just really good informational content. You know, what part of the sky do I look at to see the North Star? You know, just really cool stuff. And, um, you know, as the story went on, we were like, wow, what are we going to do with all these writers that we've created, you know, that we're working with? So we started an agency, to make a long story short. But that agency, um, although we ran it successfully for five years, um, we scaled it, we grew it like crazy. We got up to about 20 employees. We had a software that we built called Word Vision, which helped to track the impact of this content that we created. But we were quickly learning that it took it took a lot of sales reps, a lot of account managers, a lot of SEO specialists, a lot of overhead to make a long story short. And if you lost a big account, we were pitching accounts fifty thousand to a million dollars in revenue. If you lost one or two of those, you know you were you were you know you had to lay people off. I mean, it was it was a it was an edgy period of time where people, we were one of the first content marketing agencies in the marketplace. So it was an uphill battle to sell people on maybe leaving their traditional agency or hiring us as an offshoot agency, even though we had this killer technology. So, you know, once again, we struggled and we had a hard time 
finding uplift, a word that I used um, a few minutes ago. And, you know, uplift for me as an entrepreneur is the word that I live or die by. Like, unless I can grow, you know, 20% to 50% every year, you know, I view the business as a failure because I, I can't self-fund a way to find that growth. I need to have either create something or create a value proposition or technology or something that will be so good that people, you know, spread the word and word of mouth marketing, not so much paid advertising and focus on conversions. So we, we then um, were running this agency, but we lost a couple of accounts. It was frustrating. So I decided to take some of those staff members that we were going to have to lay off, run an experiment, try to start a, uh, a, a, a more of an online marketplace that allowed us to help and service small businesses, not these large giants we were servicing. So we told our freelancers about it. They immediately helped us build profiles and it was an opportunity for them to work directly with our clients, not through our account managers and our optimization specialists and this whole army. So we just made this pivot, Eric. It was like, we started it as an experiment and we built really good software, thanks to my CTO, who I've worked with for like almost 20 years now. You know, he built Life Tips and he built this Word Vision product. And, you know, now we're like, um, Aaron, you know, change of job descriptions <laughs> again. You know, now, now you're going to build out with a team, Writer Access. And we started as an experiment and we went from zero to 40,000 customers in, in a very short period of time, mostly word of mouth. Um, constantly asking for feedback, constantly asking for how can we make this product better? How can we learn from you and other people? You know, what, do you, what are your needs? You know, do you need to push content directly to WordPress? You know, do you need to have optimization tools like SEM, SEM Rush built into the platform? You know, do you need, you know, what do you need? You know, do you need content briefs, buyer personas, customer journey maps? We just kept asking what people wanted and building out this software to make it interesting and a real deal changer for people that were trying to accomplish, you know, content marketing goals. Long answer. Sorry about that. So when you think about, you know, given all your experience now on the agency side, working with enterprise, yep. seeing that slippery slope of, you know, staffing up to meet demand and then they pull the account and you're screwed yep. versus, yep. <laughs> you know, a, a, an online marketplace to serve uh, smaller businesses. Let's talk, for a minute, just from a straight content marketing standpoint, yeah. what, what content marketing problems do big companies have? Yeah, that's a great question. And by the way, just to, so your audience knows, 40% of our customers are agencies. So, you know, while we, between 2005 and 2010, were having trouble growing and scaling our agency, you know, things very much changed from 2010 to now 2022. Agencies found a very important uh, foothold in the marketplace to educate and acclimate customers on the power of content marketing. And, you know, hundreds and thousands of agencies starting to do that, started to do that, not just myself, you know, and a few other, you know, smaller agencies that were putting a stake in the ground that says, we are a content marketing agency. You know, people didn't understand it back in our day. So, you know, I think that things have changed. We've had to build so our software around the needs of agencies, particularly because agencies really helped us scale and grow, you know, and we learned that right from the get-go. And, you know, we, 
we actually had a quick pivot to stopping our agency. We told our, our we had about a hundred customers at the time. And we said, I actually was very nervous about this, but I went to each of them and had a discussion with them and said, look, I know this sounds crazy, but we believe that our software is, is good enough for you to work directly with freelance writers and give them feedback yourself using our technology and not have to use Google Docs and Microsoft Word Docs and write comments that our, that our editors and our managers could look over and then work with the freelancers to make those adjustments. I mean, that just didn't make any sense to us. So we, we changed our scope. Um, and, uh, you know, in the end of the day, to answer your question, any, every business now has the same problem. You know, who's going to create all this great engaging content we need to, uh, to, to, to motivate our customers to become uh, browsers and transform them to believers and believers to, to buyers? You know, who's going to create all this great content? So everyone has the same problem and um, finding those writers is, is difficult to do. So then you know, there, there's no sort of unique challenge that an enterprise has with respect to content marketing versus a small company. I don't think so. I think the problems are the same. The scale of the problems may be very different, uh, but the problems are the same. You know, what's the tone and the style that I need to engage my audience? You know, how much content do I need to create to, you know, drive more traffic? Um, where should I be publishing? You know, uh, you know, which social channels are best for me? Um, you know, as an agency, we set out to answer those very questions, as well as the question, how much content do I need and how much is it going to cost? So as it, our core fundamentals, you know, our core, you know, uh, business model as an agency was trying to figure out the answers to those questions. And I think SMBs, as well as agencies and enterprise-level customers, are still trying to answer those those same questions. So um, I'll tell you a little story, uh, mm. a little content uh, marketing story that involves writer access that I think you'll find interesting. Cool. So I got uh, hired by a, an e-commerce company uh, that had been selling hats primarily through channel partners, mm -hmm. retailers, pre-pandemic, and all that dried up when the pandemic hit. Mm -hmm. And these guys had to pivot to Shopify overnight. Wow. And, you know, they realized, you know, that the way that they were going to generate revenue quickly was through paid media. And it would be expensive, but let's face it. I mean, the government had, had given everyone a blank check. People had money. And so they started buying a pay-per-click ads. They found a partner. They started buying pay-per-click ads. They were expensive sales, but they kept yeah. the cash flowing and they kept yep. the volume moving. Awesome. So when I met them, they, they said, hey, you know, we're, we're spending all this money on, 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 on sales. The cash flow is great and we're still in business, but it's expensive. So can you help us? build an organic audience. Mm -hmm. Can you help us leverage that traffic into, uh, you know, organic uh, buyers who were just searching generic keywords? Yeah. So I sort of looked at the hat space and what I saw was there were a bunch of other hat e-commerce companies that were doing these boring blogs, you know, mm -hmm. six ways to wear a fedora, uh, yeah. the history of a top hat, you know, all this yeah. just crap. And, yep. and the other thing I realized when I looked at lifestyle content is that it was image heavy. People mm -hmm. weren't really reading as much as they wanted good pictures. 
And all these e-commerce ad companies were using the same photos from Shutterstock. And it just, it looked like rote content. It was so bad that if you, even if you did find it through search, you weren't going to stay there and read it because it just looked like content marketing crap. And I think we are now programmed to analyze a web page so quickly. If something looks like it's fake or, or not real or inauthentic, we're gone. I mean, we know how to evaluate that. So I, I came up with an idea. I said, you know what? Let's, let's form a separate company. Let's form a separate company and it'll be a media company and it'll have a separate presence and a separate URL. And what we're going to do is we're going to license celebrity photos and we're going to write articles about celebrities wearing hats. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did a deal with a celebrity service, uh, photo service. And uh, we started publishing all these uh, articles, you know, slash top hats, Johnny Depp's favorite hats, you know, over and over again, all all that we could with all these fantastic timely photos because the celebrity services are moving thousands of photos a day. And as long as you comply and you're really genuinely doing media, it's not on an e-commerce site. It's on a separate site. It's fine. So I started doing that and I basically got their monthly revenue to $118,000 a month inside of eight months with that strategy. And we started for the first three months publishing one a week. Then we lifted up to six a week. Then we lifted up to uh, six a month. Then we lifted up to, if I, if I, let me repeat that in case I got it wrong. We started with four a month. Then we went to six a month. Then we went to 12 a month. And inside of eight months, we were ranking number one. I mean, even for like, I know that you're from Texas and you like cowboy hats. So you know what a George Strait cowboy hat is? Who licenses the George Strait's name to make a cowboy hat? I have no idea. Resist All. Mm. Resist All is right up there with Stetson, which I know is your favorite. But if you search George Strait cowboy hat, you'll find my client's blog in the number one position, not Resist All. You'll find it above Shepler's, Cavender's, all those others because of that strategy. And it worked so well for us. Um, When I got to the cowboy hat category and I had to write those stories, I needed a writer who knew about cowboy hats. I don't know about cowboy hats. I'm from L.A. So I'm on writer access and I'm trying to find a writer you know, so I, I get a hold of my customer service rep. I think it was Lindsay. Mm-hmm. And Lindsay puts out a query and she finds me all these writers who live on farms. Cool. And I network through, I message them all. Hey, you know, we're doing this thing about cowboy hats. You know anything about cowboy hats? And I actually wind up connecting with three writers who live on cattle farms and know all about creases and everything. Awesome. Now, I, what I did was I got them to write those stories so they were totally authentic. They were able to yeah. write about how a, 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 a star rodeo bill ri- a bull rider is able to keep a hat on their head with no chin strap. Sponges uh-huh. inside. I didn't know that. You have yeah. to go to a rodeo to know that. So uh-huh. I guess, you know, how important do you think it is if you're scaling uh, some sort of content marketing project? One of the biggest challenges is always finding a writer with some subject matter expertise. You know, a lot of people I talk to in content marketing about it will say, oh, that's not that important. They're journalists. They can figure it out. But for me, it seems like it's really important. What are your thoughts on that? 
Well, with with each writing, first of all, that's a great story, and I'm so happy that we were able to you know help help you. And you I think it would make a great case study presentation at the content marketing conference. There you go, perfect. Um, and maybe we bring out those writers and let them sport their their uh, their hats. Uh, to, I would to love that. Uh, but Lillian Teague, here's a call out to Lillian Teague if you're listening. Nice, that's cool. So you know, I, I think that there's you know, it, when you start thinking about writing projects in general, right, you need to take a close look at the goals and objectives, certainly at what you're trying to accomplish. Uh, but you're also trying to sort out the complexity, how much research needs to be involved, the expertise, what's the tone, what's the style. Um, there's a lot of variables that, are, that you need to get right. Um, expertise is one of those variables. Um, but I think that research and, and style flexing is another awesome skill. Um, it's not just knowledge in an industry. It's the ability to flex your writing style for a particular audience. Um, for example, if, those, if, that, if that project were all about literally covering rodeos with a twist on hats, you would need somebody that certainly had some expertise, but he would need to understand the language that people that attend rodeos speak. And... I think great writers, you know, are have different skills, and I don't think it has to necessarily be a, you know, um, somebody that's written in a rodeo, you know, that could could pick up that project. I think it's somebody that can understand an audience, understand the goals and objectives. My guess is the writers that you hired, you know, you know, certainly had some expertise, you know, with with hats, you know, and that's awesome. They also were living on a farm, so they understood the language and the culture for the people that were interested in those particular kinds of hats. But my guess is they could probably flex their style and, you know, write about um, fishing, you know, in the ocean if they needed to for projects that didn't demand as much, uh, you know, expertise about fishing in the ocean. So a lot of it, you know, what are the, here's an interesting question for you. When you think about writer access, right? Three star, four star, five star, six star, right? You, you pay more. And by the way, we're interesting seven star writers, which is a whole nother discussion in itself. But when you're when you're when you're placing that order in your mind, is is let's say a, a four star writer? Are they? How do you think of a four star writer versus a six star writer? So when it comes to hats. When it comes to hats. I don't consider the number of stars yeah. to be an indication of their writing ability. Interesting. I consider it to be an indication of their experience on the platform. Okay. That's interesting. So what it means to me if I hire a four star is I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to bring them along and teach them the process mm-hmm. more because they don't have as much experience as an as a gig worker working with others. And that's going to take me time, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're not going to be as good of a writer because I found some fantastic writers who are four stars. Yeah, exactly. That's Eric, you really put that a great way. I really liked, you know, that, and and we should use that at writer access and use this clips, but I completely agree with you that imagine new writers come to us and they're basically unproven. We, we hand review their portfolios. We look at writing samples you know, we, we uh, you know, give them feedback on their work. They take tests. 
Uh, we look at their resumes. We look at their creds, their background, their experience, their references, testimonials. I mean, it's unbelievable what we go through. But we don't really know how they are going to perform in the marketplace, right, until they produce some work. One thing we do at Writer Access is we, every order that goes through, kind of a pain in the neck for you, I'm sure, but you have to rate it, did it meet or was it below or did it exceed your expectations? Well, I'm right? always a little hesitant on that too because I don't want to lose my writer. It, th- that is so true. It's unbelievable that you, you should know, say if that. I give them, if I rate them too high, so so I'd rather pay them really well. I'd rather pay them a little better and, and just say met because then, you know, I'm because I'm, not, I'm gonna lose them sooner or later. It's just the way it works. And the problem with going after a six star mm-hmm. is they're too busy. They don't have time yeah. for new projects. They're they're working all the time. Well, that's true and not true. I mean, the, 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 the seven star, I mean, the six star writers are earning more per word for a good reason. They're efficient, they're effective, and they, they get the job done and they've earned their stars. They've, they've earned exceed expectations from multiple clients typically, and they're, they're proven their value. And the I think they're more, I think across the board, even with a six star, you know, when you give someone something to write about. If they're not a subject matter expert, they're going to go on to Google, they're going to start doing research. And what are they going to find? They're going to find the top ranking content that was produced by other content marketers. And they're going to start citing that. Now, let's face it, we could do that and it would work and we and we could outrank them. We could do the Brian Dean skyscraper approach. Yeah. And just do more and, and longer. But the truth is nobody really wants more or longer. Maybe Google likes it in search results. What's more interesting, rather than being a thought repeater, is being a thought leader. You know, who's the person that can really summarize it and then try something new and take it in a new direction that no one else has done before? You can't do that with a skyscraper approach. I call it swack, not swag, but swack stuff we all know. And I actually have in my briefs a no swack paragraph uh-huh. where I say, you know, no one has time for it. It's really tough to get people to a page. If you're going to get them there, you got to give them something they don't know already. So don't worry about filling up the word count with a bunch of fluff. I can't use that. Give me something we don't know. Give me a new perspective. You know, that's what's really going to move the needle. And I think as Google moves from a rules-based algorithm over to AI, the stuff that's going to make it pass, that's going to survive that transition is going to be the true thought leadership content. It's a great point you raised there. It's hard to execute innovation and something new with every asset that's being created on the web. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, there, there are few great thought leaders are few and far between for a reason, you know, not everyone can be this innovative you know, Seth Godin, thought leader that is perpetually coming up with new something new and something different. That's, but in the end of the day, even if you study Seth Godin, you know, and you Seth Godin, you know, he's he's spinning a lot of you know concepts that that have that are that are that are worthy of 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 trying to make you understand, um, you know, a different approach to to learning and to living, um, and to to you know, those insights and observations that he's making are truly brilliant in that he's thinking about something a different way. But, you know, even Seth Godin has great people around him, you know, creating content and making sure he's got a steady stream of, of content that's engaging his audience. And a lot of that can just be repeating other points that he's made in his book or resurfacing, 
you know, interesting stuff that he's curating and finding appropriate or commenting on something, um, you know, that, that, that is relevant in, 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 in the world, you know, and voicing an opinion or a thought on that, that people can learn from and listen to. So what is engagement going to look like, you know, as we move forward, how important is our visuals, you know, to, to what we do and what we, you know, and, and how we learn, you know, and when is gamification going to take itself to the next level? Those are some of the things that we're really interested in to see, you know, can we build platforms that are, have a more experiential and can we, can we, you know, get on the front end of how we teach and how we learn, you know, and I think that's going to be really important to the future of content marketing and where we're going. Um, and, you know, like you said, you know, standing out, you know, not, not, you know, show me something new, you know, the bottom line, you know, teach me something new or teach me a new way to learn. So those are some of the, just some of the few things we're thinking about. One of the cool things about the job you'd find interesting, Eric, is that so much of what we do now, when you, when you build a platform like Writer Access, you know, and you start having brainstorms like you and I are having right now, um, you start thinking, how can we make our product better? You know, how can we help you, you know, create that new innovative top, you know, the, the find the topics that matter. I'll give you an example that you'd find interesting. A while ago, we had this same discussion come up. It was like topics, topics, topics. You know, I'm struggling. I'm a content strategist. I'm using writer access with my clients. I need to, you know, I need topics. I need for these writers that I'm working with to submit topic ideas to me. So right now you can submit a single topic to, you know, you can, you can request that a writer come up with a topic for a blog post that they're writing, you know, like, you know, your, your, your writer selling hats, like you could just, you could place 20 orders and, and, and on each of the orders say, pitch me a topic. So the writer then looks over your brief, looks over your, your instructions, and they can take that one order and then they can pitch you a topic and you can say yes or no. You can either say no that's not a good topic. Thank you very much. But here's a better one that I'm going to give to you. But the question becomes, okay, what if we did this? What if you grab, what if you had a tool where you could take five or 10 of the writers you're working with, with this hat client and say, all right, everybody, it's, it's blog time. You know, next month we're producing 30 long form blog posts. You know, let's rock it. Pitch me your ideas. Well, watch this you'd think, wow, Aaron and I actually built that very tool. But guess what? The writer doesn't get, the writer gives you ideas and doesn't necessarily get the gig, right? They don't necessarily get the gig. It's frustrating. So how do you scale ideation? I, le I leave it to you. Thoughts on no, that? Okay, so yeah, so, so yeah. So for me, if I'm relying on the writers to come up with the idea, that's like having a a, a a football team without a quarterback. Okay. Right? Would Tom Brady go into the huddle and say, hey, guys, what play do you think we should run? <laughs> it doesn't work that way, right? You must have a quarterback. There must be a strategist leading the mission. And I think I don't think you can outsource that. I feel in all outsourcing, regardless of what you're outsourcing, the, the person at the center must be the person who understands how all the pieces come together mm -hmm. because writing is only one piece of it. I still need images. I still need to optimize it. I still need to get the anchor text links in there. 
I still need to get it up on the web. I still need to promote it. I need to share it out via social. So if I look at content marketing at the role of, of, of writing, it's a critical role. I need it to be scalable. I like the fact that I can throttle it without having to carry that as overhead, but it's not my whole operation. And, and I think people stumble the most when they say, oh, let's just go to one person and have them do it all for us. That's it right. doesn't work yeah. that way when you're outsourcing. You might as well go to an agency and have them do it for you. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, I would have no faith in if, if someone hasn't, hasn't, someone working for them in the content side and they can't come up with ideas, I think they're the wrong person for the job. Agree. Agree so much. And it's funny, you, you came to the, the, the exact conclusion that most of our clients did when we launched that tool. It failed because writers were skeptical about pitching ideas and not necessarily winning the gigs. But even the ideas that came back were often are off target. The writers were not able to see what had already been published on a customer's website. So the point being, you know, an epic failure story like that makes us say, wow, what, how can we, how can we advance this revolution? How can we change things? So interestingly enough, what we did, Eric, is we said, that's it. We need to build a community of content strategists and we need to give them the tools necessary to be successful. So at Content Marketing Conference, four years ago, I launched my Content Strategy Masterclass, this intensive uh, you know, three-hour workshop, um, which blossomed into a 22 hours of recordings um, covering every pillar, content planning, creation, optimization, distribution, performance measurement, and now comedy actually is, is the sixth pillar because I'm so uh, passionate about truly creating great content that makes you smile, you know, or laugh. You know, that was really cool that I saw that. You know, I took a stand-up class Interesting. to improve my content marketing skills. Because nice. I need to lighten up, man. That's my problem. <laughs> I get too heavy. So actually, me and my son at the local community college nice. took this stand-up class over summer. It's like a fun father-dad nice. thing to do. Love and it. the funnest thing they did, and this might give you some ideas, is they would play jokes, somebody doing a joke on stage, mm-hmm. and they'd stop it before the punchline. And then we'd go around the room, and everybody would have to try to give nice. a punchline. Oh, and then they'd great. show the joke and then they'd, he'd explain why it was funny. That's incredible. That's incredible. So uh, that is a great story. So yeah, Andrew Tarvin, I'm not sure if you know who he is, terrific individual. Um, he wrote a book called Humor That Works. He he does a three-hour comedy marketing workshop with us that involves a little bit of improv um, and he's terrific. And that's actually part of the Content Strategy Masterclass. So that's kind of, we're, we're on the same wavelength there and it, it, there, there's, there's a desperate need out there, you know, for more humor and, and more wit and more smarts when it comes to piecing content together. And there is an art and science to that. And so we've, so yeah, so, you know, so much of what we're doing now is to also, you know, help people advance their career, right? Like that's what we're doing at Writer Access. You know, it's, it's people that are, uh, you know, right now we, we've taken all of our CMC uh, recordings for the last four years, and it's available inside the platform. Certainly for our customers to go into uh, Writer Access Academy, we call it, but also our freelance writers can go into the academy 
and earn their content strategy certification so they can speak your language, Eric, you know, and understand when you say, you know, please do not stuff keywords, you know, like, and here, please use the writer access keyword density tool. They're like, got it. Okay. This guy knows what he's doing. I understand that, you know, let's, let's use these keywords lightly, you know, so that's kind of, you know, a, a good segue into product failure, tough to crowdsource topics to, okay, let's go another direction and acclimate people on what matters, content strategy. And so the good news is both for writer access and for your business, finally clients, businesses are respecting the importance of strategy and are willing to pay for it. Um, it's harder to do in our marketplace, but man, you pair up uh, an awesome content strategist like you with great four-star, five-star writers where you can direct them and give them the, the signals on, you know, what, what they need to be doing to be successful, you know, within terms of tone, style, depth of the content, reading level, optimization strength, you know, oh, and let's use tools like ClearScope or Surfer SEO built into the plot, you know, like there's so much you can do to help a client, an SMB, a mid-sized company, an enterprise level company on the strategy level to set them up for, you know, for automation within the platform that is measurable and trackable as far as results are concerned. Um, and also, you know, it's just, it's starting to come together, you know, with, because of platforms like Writer Access and Contently and Skyward, you know, that are doing it at, a, you know, for pure based enterprise level companies, um, you know, uh, NewsCred, um, you know, there's a lot of those enterprise level solutions, but what we've prided ourselves on at, at Writer Access um, is, you know, being having really innovative tools inside the platform that competed with those enterprise level solutions that you pay three thousand to ten thousand dollars a month for, like you pay thirty nine sixty nine ninety dollars ninety nine dollars a month at Writer Access to access our software, you know, and we think it's it's competitive, you know, with what you would pay a lot more for. Uh, but you know, we need more people like you, Eric, because we don't have like the layers that Skyward has, you know, like. You're assigned an account team and account managers and strategists and optimization, you know, like they're doing more of a full service solution from what I can gather. And they're charging hundreds and thousands of dollars for that. Like that's their VC backed and that's how they scale their businesses. And that's cool. That's great. If you're an enterprise level solution and you need that, but we believe there's a better way to do it. And that's why we're working with enterprise level customers that have in-house people that can do what you do or hire people like you to do what you do or even SMBs that have, you know, uh, a part-time content strategist that's maybe working with five or 10 SMBs. You know, that's an awesome future for people that are writers that learn these content strategy skills and they can, you know, become airline traffic controllers like you are now, scaling content. That's what I think people love about us, you know, is that we're not expensive, but we're scalable, you know, and it- So I'm totally sympathetic. Yeah. I'm totally sympathetic to the software development dilemma. I, my, my, um, I started in public relations mm -hmm. and I launched a company called iPressroom, which was the first online content management tool for a non-technical person to manage the newsroom section of a corporate website. That's cool. And I built that up. We signed Target, Toyota, UCLA, Xerox, LinkedIn, 
built that up and sold it many years ago. Awesome. And, and, you know, I see how difficult it is to keep pace with how quickly software is advancing and not just keep pace with paid software, but with free software. Yeah. I mean, like I used to always have Microsoft Office on my, on my machine. Mm-hmm. I don't have it anymore. Really? I'm just using Google Docs, uh, Google Docs for everything. Interesting. As a matter of fact, my newest book, um, The Digital Pivot, Secrets of Online Marketing, I wrote entirely on Google's Docs. Uh, my editor edited it on Google Docs. I mean, we took it final with the with the uh, the desktop publisher on, on Google Docs. Um, so, and and it's and these tools are getting so good. And you look at, you know, for someone who serves clients in a variety of industries, mm-hmm. sometimes I'll I'll meet up with a client who's on some vertical industry solution. Right now, I'm working with a wine company, mm-hmm. and they're not using Shopify. They're using a vertical industry uh, solution for wine e-commerce companies. Hmm. And the, the company just can't keep up. Like they don't have search schema. They, they just, they don't, they're not, they don't know. I mean, they're clueless. I mean, and now they're replatforming and they're trying to stay alive while Shopify is sponsoring, you know, the biggest wine convention in the world. I mean, you know, the writing's kind of on the wall for these vertical industry solutions. You just can't keep up. So, so, I mean, I got to say, I love writer access, but I am challenged with the platform. Like I do, I do, I am often, I mean, just to be blunt, yeah. a little underwhelmed with, with what I can and can't do on the platform. With the talent or with the software or? The software. Yeah. Um, so the first thing that I, you know, I do use Google Docs instead of the platform because I can't. Yeah. I can't, I can't, there's no way to track changes. Yeah. And that's critical for me because when I'm starting with a new writer, I need to, I don't want to just change it for them. I want to explain to them why I'm changing something so I can set them up to write more content for me. Whereas if I just change it, then how does that help me? Like the best editors I've worked with, they never edit my work. They ask me questions that allows me to have the aha moment and make the change myself. And they make me a better writer by asking those questions. Yeah. So, so for that reason, I have to use Google Docs. Now the challenge, so that's one challenge because then I want to make sure my people get paid for their word count. Mm. And that means at the end, they've got, I've got to remind them, hey, uh, save all changes and then take your text and put it back in the platform because that's how it calcs the word count. And I want to make sure you get paid. And I usually give them a little extra too because I want my people to want work, to want to work for me. So I pay, I pay people well because I think if someone's good, they should be paid well. Um, so that's one of the challenges I, I have with the platform. And I just think, you know, you look at what happened with Upwork. With Upwork, they put uh, teleconferencing in the platform Mm-hmm. to try to keep it in the platform to, so that people wouldn't go direct to the talent, which is understandable. They got to earn their commission, right? Mm-hmm. But the problem is their, their teleconferencing solution was not competitive with ones that are. And so, you know, you'd have incessant buffering latency and you couldn't do business because the, the system didn't work. And so at one point they just said, okay, go ahead, talk to your people however you want but just keep the transactions on our platform. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what most people did. And frankly, I mean, I think that's probably a better way to go for, I would think, for writer access too, because you've got the writers. And the truth is, me as a sophisticated buyer, I don't want to go direct to the writer because I want some help if things don't work out. I've been ghosted by writers. I know what that's like. I want the protection of having you guys there to help me if things don't work out. So I can still, but, but the thing is Slack works better for instant communications. Yeah. Teleconferencing on other platforms is smoother than, than that. So that's kind of a problem. The other thing is, you know, masking the person's identity. Google page quality guidelines says that, well, they don't say it, but they, they suggest that as we move forward, a person, an author, having an author will be a signal of page quality. Now, a lot of crappy blog posts will say by admin or by, you know, name of the company. It won't have a person's name there. And so what I never do that. And I always tell my writers on Writer Access, hey, I'm going to give you credit for your work. And you can link to it and you can show this to other people and get more work with it. And then I put their name up there. And I yeah. give them an author page with all their posts below it and yeah. links to their social so that people, so they're a real person. And I can show Google, hey, this is a real person writing this. This yeah. is not. And this is a person who's qualified. I sure, write a sure. bio for them that says, hey, they have this degree. They've written for this organization. I link to that organization. And I'm showing Google because it is quality content. I want Google to know that it's quality content. Then I have to go through the chat. And I have to say, hey, she's a six-star writer and I'm paying the rate. And and, you know, I need the email so I can set her up in, in WordPress as a writer so she can accept. So her avatar shows on her, you know, you know, I'm talking about Gravatar. So her mm-hmm. Gravatar shows up. And all that is just a little clunky, you know, because of the, uh, oh, you can't go direct. And, and also what happens is the writers get scared because they don't want to get, they don't want to be, be, uh, cast off of the platform. So they're like, oh, I can't talk direct to you because, and then it's like, oh, God, I got to go to my account exec. I got to get her to deal with it. So it'll take forever. And it's just more work that I don't have time for it. I just want things to move quickly and efficiently. You know what I mean? It, it, it's funny, Eric, you know, you, you, you got me in the corner in the ring here. You're throwing punches at me left and right, but I'm going to come out of my corner now. And you got a great platform, man. And you know what? <laughs> There's always going to be things that need to improve. I mean, that's the, that's oh, the, that's, you're in, oh, man. That's what makes my no life enjoyable. Like that's, I live for this. This is what I, I live for. But a couple of comments for you. The first one I wanted to make um, was, was really interesting. Back in the life tips day, I'm on the phone doing a podcast with a, with a, with a, a, a life coach, but a life coach focused on working with CEOs and um, executives. And I'm, I'm, you know, my normal Socratic methodologies at work. And I'm, I'm my, one of my first questions to them was, you know, how do you, at what point in your initial conversation with a, one of a, a prospect client, do you know whether or not you can help them or not? You know, do you have an assessment for how long it would take them to overcome their, their, their obstacles? You know, are they, you know, are, do you ask questions to clearly, and, they said something really interesting. They said, you know, Byron, I can usually, I can make a decision within a minute or two of talking with somebody, whether or not they're a client that I think I could help. 
And I said, you got to be kidding me. Like, Tell me more. How does that work? <laughs> um, and they said, well, what I'm studying for, what I'm studying is the undulation in their voice and whether they're sincere, whether they might be open to change, whether their egos are so large that they just talk forever. And, they're, and I already know that they're not going to finish talking for 10 or 15 minutes after asking them one question. I mean, they, they were able to gauge. So what that said to me was, was stuck in my mind for a long time, though I think the podcast is still out there. So when I, when I uh, uh, started Writer Access, it occurred to me that these writers are working in the dark. They don't hear the voice of the customer. They don't hear how the customer what the tone of the style of the customer's, of the client's voice is, literally their voice, and they're being asked to do something like, you know, I hope the writers that you work with at Writer Access listen to this podcast so they can see how you think, see how you talk. It's so critical. So what we did is, I, you know, I got all excited. I'm like, Aaron, we need to deploy voice, uh, voice messaging opportunity. I don't know if you know this or not, but when you place an order, you can leave a voice message yes. that attaches to that order. We also have voice conferences. You can set up a voice call, a, a conference call with your talent to get them on the phone with you to discuss the project. It all triggered back to that crazy podcast I had with this you know, professional telling me voice to voice is very important for understanding somebody else. So, you know, Google Docs is, you know, keep in mind that there are probably thousands of engineers that are constantly working on Google Docs. We don't have thousands of engineers, but we do have some exactly some change tracking methodology where a writer can we do track changes in writer access. And we 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 absolutely do. And there are versions of all the orders that people have within the platform. So see Lindsay about that or whoever your rep is. Um, next week because we are absolutely tracking changes. We actually have to do that for a bunch of legal reasons because remember that our policy at Writer Access is to um, uh, guarantee the quality of the work, right? And But you have to give a writer a chance to make the revisions that you want them to for, for you to be able to say, I'm not paying for this article. So we have to track the changes that were made from the first version to the second version, we have to look at the uh, the notes that the customer left, you know, the writer to do, and we have to make a judgment call. We always pay the writer, by the way, just so you know, for work that they did. The only thing we're debating is whether we would have a contention with a customer to say, look, you know, you completely changed the order in the scope of this project. Like, what you told them those to are the worst customers. Anybody who's <laughs> not going to pay the writer is just a complete <laughs> asshole. Well, okay? some and people so, don't. Yeah, understand. they are. They're an asshole. Look, well, <laughs> you got into it. You hired the guy. You pay the bill. It's not that expensive. And you, you write it off and don't it. use them again. Uh, I'm so sure the platform for that guy isn't. Seems like ridiculous. Build it the, for the, the good. The customer. line of writers wanting to work for you, Eric, just went out the door and is extended because of your belief there. But here's here's the other side of that, though. I mean, a the fact people, that anybody would stiff anybody, I just think is just a lot of will atrocious. Writer access can can 
you know, can afford to, to be the agent for these, for these writers. That's what we do. That's why writers want to work with us. We are not going to stiff a writer, period, the end. But what if we need I to don't do, get good work from a writer. We need to train the, cl- the client on what they did wrong yes. and why that's not how you work in a marketplace, whether it be ours or, or another one. So our obligation is to educate and acclimate both writers as well as, as clients on how the system works. And when I don't get good work from a, from a writer, it's usually because I didn't brief it well or I didn't yeah. take the time to communicate. And yeah. I, the reason I avoid voice communications intentionally <laughs> is because I know that our relationship is going to be based on text. And I yeah. want to see, can the person communicate through, through a text grist? Yes. Now, just so you know, Slack is baked into the platform as well. Just so you know, you can get Slack connected with your writers through writer access. We don't do it with every single customer because we worry about these total strangers coming to our platform. You know, the the clients we don't know opening up that valve. And we also have to check that with the writers. Remember, a lot of writers, believe it or not, want to be anonymous in the platform. They're using stage names. They might have full-time gigs. You know, we have give you an example. We have, we have tech writers at Writer Access, right? They're unbelievably, you know, uh, you know, sophisticated in their ability to digest complicated projects and software and technology. But they go to Writer Access not to do those gigs, but to do the, the hat gigs or the, you know, the, how do you get the cat out of the tree? Like, let me research that. Three-star orders. It's unbelievable. Um, so, you know, it, it's it's really interesting to begin thinking about, you know, scaling content in this marketplace environment. And it's been pure joy for me to talk with people like you that use the platform, that like the platform, where I can learn from you on how the platform can be better. I have an excellent checklist here, Google Docs. We've had that so many, you know, requests to somehow bake writer access into Google Docs, you know, can it a lot of done? people are doing that now, like who used to have their own yes. apps. Yes. They're just becoming a, you know, something that plugs into Trust Google. Trust me, super high on the list. And it, it, it's awesome. hard to do without Google's cooperation and, you know, having a, a, a different kind of pipeline and an API into the code. I have thing. a contact for you. Great. Don't give it to me over the podcast. Yeah. But give it to me. One more that. thing I want to share with you. But also one question for you. If we could make video conferencing work inside the platform, would that be appealing to you? I know you don't like the message. You know, not for me because yeah, yeah. I'm not hiring people to make videos. I'm hiring people saying? to write. Yeah. So Upwork, write, failed. Upwork failed. Believe it or not, we're pretty close with bringing that into the platform for clients, much like our, our, um, our voice conferencing. I mean, just so you know, on the voice conferencing, the writers paid like 35 cents a minute, I think, for their time. So the writer's going to make like 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks just for, you know, a, a big call where you're onboarding maybe a bunch of writers for their, for a program and you've already tested and tried them out, you know, and now yeah, you're I mean, trying I, to. It's the uses. For me personally, I, I prefer to stay with the written word with a writer. Um, but I could see, I could certainly see the, uh, the uses. Here's another, um, little snag. The author of eight books. I recall. No, just two. Oh, well, you're, you're the author of four. Well, 
Well, you, but you, who's you counting? Know there are a few more. Who's counting, Barbara? The, the digital pivot, secrets of online marketing, social media, the marketing of the business. What does a digital marketer do? How do that's a white work? paper? Well, it looks like a book on your website, and to me, I it mean, it's like uh, it's as long as a book, but it's all right, thirty thousand words. That's a book in and my the mind. books are sixty, <laughs> anyway. and the books are published too, and the white papers are just available for free download on the website. By the way, just one more challenge I have that I want to share with you. Please. So I'm doing now a cosmetic site. And so I'm hiring skincare writers for product pages. Okay. And I found some terrific, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I found all these great skincare writers on Writer Access. And I gave everybody a test project to see who the client would like the best. Nice. And one of them comes back to me and says, you know, you asked for 400 words, but it's going to be fluff. This is 275. You need to lower the word count. Oh my gosh. And I look at it and I I look, she's right. She's right. So I go in to try to lower the word count. I can't. So then I have to put a message on drift, which by the way, every goddamn time I go into writer access, drift pops up. Oh yeah. Pops up late. And and I, my cursor is automatically in there and it takes my message from me. But in any event, I go to writer access. I get Lindsay who's my customer service rep. And I say, hey, the writers agreed to lower it to 275. And she does. She can do but it. Then, but then I got the other two writers. Yeah. The other two writers are the same thing. Now I got to do it to her. So that adds a significant amount of time. You know, time is the one thing I don't have yeah. more of to the process. So you I know, don't, it's a challenge because you don't want the, the, um, I think we should, I think we should, the, the, I think we should allow the writer to change the word count and give good it an idea. Yeah. Great idea. Okay, let me get that. that one. Let me get that one added to the list if you agree with that particularly. I think that's a great idea. Cuz the the writer, you know, the, the writer can't maybe raise the word count, but they can lower the word count, you know, which would go a long way of, of earning your trust and 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 get, keeping you back for more. The drift thing, I do agree with you. It is it is we've had a lot of complaints with drift. At the same time, we have so many new customers coming to Writer Access all the time. They need help and you know, Heather, our director of customer service and frankly, president and, you know. It's got to be collapsible. It's got to be in this corner and you click it to yeah. open it. Well, what do you think about this? Closed. I mean, we used to have our own, you know, internal communication. We're, we're internal chat bot, basically, which actually tethered the chat box, the chat box to an order. Yep. So when you're asking for help from Lindsay, about an order, she's going to, you're going to be able, she's going to see the order that you're talking about because the chat box is aligned with that order. Does that make That's sense? That's not the way it works now. I got to give you. Oh, I know. Because Drift, what we're doing with Drift is we're doing, you know, we're using their data to say, what is the engagement with this new customer or with this existing customer? And, and did we properly Drift is a to- very impressive product. Yes and no. I mean, I'm not a yeah. I yeah. I'm I'm torn on drift. I, I think I think models like writer access. To be truthful, like there's a reason that we don't use Salesforce, for example. Okay. Right. The reason is because imagine this: when Lindsay's looking at your profile, who you are. If we were using Salesforce, we would have to spend millions of dollars for us to see. What orders have you placed? What writers have you worked with? What is this? We need that data right in front of us. 
okay? Because only then can we say, oh, it's Eric or Lindsay's on vacation. Like, oh my gosh, here's the entire history of Eric. We know everything about him. What is Now we can, we can do a better job in servicing you because that data is right in front of you. Not just your name and how many times you used. You know, now we want to see your orders. We, we need to be able to go into an order. We need to see how much money you've spent. We need to see how many orders you have outstanding. We need to see what it is. So I think the same for us is true with this chat problem. I don't think Drift, Drift is an outsourced product. We need to go back to our own chat. So, and by the way, possibly chat where you could chat with your writer using our system, instant message to your writer. Now you could leave, you could leave messages, but it's more like an, an in-house system where what if we came up with something so good, which is, which is why we baked in Slack, by the way, Slack is kind of the, you know, the, maybe we just go all in with Slack, frankly, as we, you know, define, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, welcome to, yeah. Content Welcome strategy, meets automation, funnels. Meets, you know, meets. This is such a been such a great conversation with you, Eric. I really We're talking about stacks, it. automation, and funnels, which is chapter three of awesome. my new book. Awesome. Which I'm going to send you a copy of because you were such a good sport taking my questions live on the podcast. <laughs> well, we covered a lot of terrain, and I really appreciate uh, you you uh, asking some great questions and just doing doing your thing, which is obviously uh, very successful. So, Well, thank uh, you. And, and to those of you who are listening, I'm a huge fan of writer access. And if you're looking away to, for a way to scale content marketing, this is a viable solution. Check it out. Thanks, everybody. Appreciate you being here today. And thanks, Eric, for hosting us. through Earn Media, get the Digital Pivot audiobook at digitalpivotbook.com.